Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning, congregation. I am speaking to you today on behalf of the officers of PCC, and we hope that you've heard through the various forms of communication that went out this week. Um, that our beloved pastor and shepherd and friend, Gary, has announced that he has felt God's call on his life to accept a new ministry position with Transform the Bay for Christ. So over a month ago, um, Gary shared with the officers that an opportunity had arisen with TBC and he felt a stirring in his spirit. And he humbly asked us to um, pray with him and to seek God's face together about this. And I can tell you what we had hoped God would say to us. Um, But uh, as we prayed individually and corporately, um, it was very clear to us that this was a very unique opportunity and one that Gary was perfectly suited for. Um, He is uniquely gifted. And the potential for this position to bring a greater spiritual awakening to the Bay Area and beyond um, could not be ignored. Um, So throughout this process, Uh, We have really noted um, that God has been abundant in his grace for PCC. We have had a faithful, faith-filled, genuine shepherd who has loved us well for decades, two decades. Um, The leadership that you nominated and confirmed are in full unity over the uh, appointment of our transitional pastor, Brian Wren. Um, He's lavished his grace on us in that we have a Brian Wren. Um, We uh, have seen his grace uh, with just giving us amazing favor in our city. And he's given us each other, this amazing family of faith who have a tremendous amount of love and grace for each other, for our community, and for the nations. Um, We are PCC, and grace has been lavished on us. And although this transition does include Sadness, we are positioned well to navigate it because of this grace. All glory to him. Um, So in the coming months, uh, Gary will be with us until the end of June, and at which time uh, Brian Wren will become our transitional pastor, and your LST, under the guidance of our denomination, will seek God, form a search committee, and um, begin to identify our next pastor. So um, during this time, your elders and leaders, your LST, we are seeking and committing to not get ahead of the Holy Spirit and to walk humbly through this process, waiting on God, listening to him. And we'll be transparent in the process and provide you with regular updates and invite you into this process. So dear brothers and sisters uh, in the faith, let's commit to praying for wisdom and discernment as we seek a new leader. Pray for Brian and Gary and all of the staff uh, during this transition. And let's ask ourselves how uh, we can allow God to use this time of transition to purify us and to mature us for greater purposes. And in order to uh, walk through this transition, we must be united in regular and in regular fellowship with one another. So if you're feeling isolated and lacking community, please be courageous and reach out and let us know. We can't go where God is calling us to unless we are walking together. So these are new and different times for PCC, and they will require greater faith, and more might be asked of all of us in the coming days. So let's consider what God might be calling 
us all to, greater acts of service, greater demonstrations of leadership, uh, greater distribution of our treasures and talents. But let's let us sincerely contemplate this and go forth together in joy and confidence that God's doing a great thing at PCC and in the Bay Area. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, how blessed we are. You have shown us such favor in providing us with Gary as our shepherd for so many years. Would you empower us through your Holy Spirit to honor his and his family's sacrifice of service with a renewed passion to live into our mission to empower generations to passionately follow Jesus? PCC is your church, and you love your bride, and you are for us, and you are with us. Thank you that you are always making us more like your son. We accept all that you're doing at PCC, and we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Let us not miss a single opportunity to join you where you're working or to praise your goodness. Embolden us to proclaim your saving gospel that has changed our lives. Father, you are worthy of all that we are and all that we have. Thank you for the great assurance that whatever you call us to, you will equip us for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Can we show our appreciation to the leadership of PCC, our board? So I told you in my letter this week, uh, Jesus as your chief shepherd has an incredible track record of more than seven, well, just about seven decades here. And uh, I am excited based on the leadership and based on this. This is the greatest asset at PCC. Uh, we are no less the church because we're not in that building. That building doesn't define us. Uh, these 16 acres don't define us. This is what defines us. Gathering as the church around the cross with no walls, so anyone's welcome, to journey with us towards Jesus. Centering our lives, orienting our lives around the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The fact that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can someone say amen? He never changes. Believing that what we see and hear doesn't define reality. There's a spiritual reality much stronger, much more real than what our five senses can declare. That's the best thing that we bring coming together as a church. And so we're going to come together around his word, the living word of God uh, as people of God. And I know people are all over the place spiritually, uh, both here on the lawn and online. And I want to say shout out to my daughter, Isabella. I see you, Belle. And hello, house churches and everyone else. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. And let me pray for us one more time. Jesus, the birds are singing and all creation is declaring that you are majestic. You are beyond definition. You are beyond comprehension. And forgive us for trying to confine you to the limits of our own mortal understanding. We come now humbly before you at your word. And we ask that, uh, Jesus, we would enter into the story as you came down from the Sermon on the Mount that we would see you interact with the leper in such a vivid way as if it's happening right before our very eyes, that we would identify not as a religious people, but as the leper 
You're so humble and desperate in need of your touch, for we need your touch in a fresh new way. The wreckage is all around us, Lord. It screams at us from our home pages. It's displayed in social media. And here we are worshiping a God who can uh, be all powerful and, and make sense out of it. So do that in these next few minutes. We love you and thank you and commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said? So a six-year-old girl's in kindergarten, and it's a drawing time in kindergarten, and she's drawing, and the teacher comes up to her and says, sweetheart, what, what are you drawing? And she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher laughs and says, sweetheart, no one knows what God looks like. To which the six-year-old says, they will in a minute. Only in childhood innocence, right? You know, every day we are drawing pictures of God for our culture. And in our culture where talk is so cheap, where hypocrisy is rampant, where who can you trust anymore? Your life speaks way louder than your words. And as you identify as a follower of Jesus, your life is a living, breathing 3D picture. My life is a living, breathing 3D picture of Almighty God. What kind of picture of God are you drawing through your activities, in your neighborhood, in your workplace where it's needed more than ever? I think the most abandoned mission field in America is the American workplace. Where is Jesus showing up through you in unexpected places and in unexpected ways? Friends, that is how the gospel is going to advance in this post-Christian pluralistic society we call the peninsula. You know, in these days, now that the announcement is out, I'm doing a lot of reflecting. On 24 years, God's grace is amazing. And I'm thinking of the first beautiful day we ever did. Beautiful day was a, a weekend project where we would surround the school and meet real needs that teachers and administrators came up with for their physical campus. I'll never forget the first beautiful day. And it was, it was a battle to get there, I'll be honest with you. Uh, it was a battle with our own church people wondering how in serving a school is that advancing the gospel? But we did it, and God showed up in amazing ways. And afterwards, the principal of that school asked me to go out to lunch. So now we're at Max's. It's now going to be a bank, but Max's at Sequoia Station. And I'm eating lunch with the principal, and he's saying very nice things because of you and what you did on a weekend, taking a step of faith. And then about three-quarters of the way through the lunch, the principal looks over his shoulders and then pastors, you know, in my denomination or my profession, I've learned when the look happens, now we're going to hear why I'm here at this lunch. Because he wanted no one to hear this conversation. And he leans in and says this, I'll be honest with you. He said, I hated Christians. But I've never seen what your church did. I've never seen the caliber of following Jesus like what I saw this last weekend. And then he said this, maybe I've missed something about Jesus. Can you tell me more about him? What led to that conversation was the picture that you drew of Jesus. He'd heard the words, he needed a picture. And friends, our peninsula needs a picture 
more than ever. I'll ask it again. What is the picture that you're drawing in your home, in your neighborhood, in your place of employment, through your priorities, uh, through your uh, financial accounts? What is the picture you're drawing of Jesus? For the next two weeks, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8, because Jesus did this amazing thing in, uh, in his life in Matthew 5 through 8. In Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus gave the most famous sermon he ever gave. Anyone know what that sermon is? Sermon on the Mount, right? He displayed and spoke about this inbreaking kingdom that was coming on earth that all the Jewish people expected at the end of time. Jesus showed up and said, I've got great news. The kingdom has showed up ahead of time. It's starting to break in. And then in Matthew 8 and 9, Matthew records 10 miracles that Jesus displayed after the Sermon on the Mount. It's show and tell, the original show and tell. He told about the kingdom, and it's radical. You can't read Matthew 5 to 7 and not realize, oh my gosh, the way God designed humanity to function is so incredibly radical. And then he comes off the mountain and says, now let me show you what this kingdom's going to be like. Sick people are going to be cured. Blind people are going to see. Storms are going to be stilled. People filled with demons will be exercised and be free of oppression. Dead people will be raised. In other words, all that is broken will be restored in the kingdom. That's the Christian life, that we are in the process of being restored day by day, Scripture says, in Christ. Can anyone testify to that? His mercies are new how many mornings? Every morning, right? We never outlast his mercy. And so the gospel of Jesus, my friends, is not a gospel of sin management. It's not a gospel of one day you'll escape hell. That is not the gospel Jesus preached. If you look in your Bibles, the first message, the first known um, sermon out of Jesus' mouth is in Matthew 4, 17. It says, for that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, that just means turn, change your thinking and change your ways. Why? Because the kingdom of the heavens has come near. This, this kingdom of God has showed up. So change the way you think. Change your priorities. Because this kingdom is so worth it, it's worth wholesale change in your life. Later on in Matthew 4, it says Jesus went throughout Galilee. That'd be saying like, went throughout the peninsula. Teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming what? The good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease. Show and tell. Show and tell. And so Matthew 8 and 9 are these 10 miracles Matthew riddles off and puts together to show what the kingdom will be like. Because talk is cheap. So let's take the first miracle. Let's take Jesus literally walking off the mountain in Galilee and coming up to uh, a leper. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. You heard it read. We'll read it again. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Now, in verse 2, a word is kept out of the English language that was in the original New Testament. And it's, it's, it's such an important word. Who am I to take on the translation committees? I'm not trying to do that. But it's used 64 times in Matthew's gospel. 
and it doesn't show up in the NIV for some reason. The word is behold. And the word means, wow. The word means, I didn't see that coming. The word means, oh, it's, it's a breathtaking amazement. And behold, Matthew writes. And that's such an important word for our day. That in drawing the picture of Jesus with your life, we should live lives that are so extraordinary, not because we're good, but because God's good and is filling us that our neighbors and coworkers look at us and go, what, what is with you in the best way possible? That they peel behind the layers of your life and go, wait a second, Jesus is at the core of this? I never expected that. Behold, 64 times. As Jesus walked the earth, people either hated him and wanted him dead, or they were blown away and would follow him anywhere. There was never a middle ground. There was never tepid worship. There was never like, oh, I'll, I'll follow you when it's convenient. Never. What has happened in 2,000 years where we've lost that sense of astonishment over how amazing Jesus is? Behold. A man with leprosy came and knelt, we'll get to that word, it's an important one, before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. If you're willing, I can be made brand new. If you're willing, the very thing that has separated me and been the cause of my shame and has made me an outcast for my whole life could be removed. I'm banking my whole life on this one question, Jesus. Will you make me clean? Will you reach out and do something to me I can't do for myself? Is that not why we're here? Because we don't have it in and of ourselves to be the people we want to be. Is that not why we're here? Because we have all fallen short this week in not loving enough or, or going too far and transgressing a boundary with anything, substance, food, uh, relationships, online stuff. Is that not why we're here? Because we need to orient our lives to the God of the universe on this, the first day of the week. To throw ourselves before God and say, we're banking everything on your character. If you're willing, you can. How would you finish that sentence? What is your greatest need from the God of the universe right now? And how desperate are you for that God to intervene in your life? And how does that show through our prayer life? Through the priority we place of being in the word. Through fellowshipping with one another. COVID is a weak excuse, friends, for a tepid faith. A weak excuse indeed. I just, I'm sorry, I, it, it's, it's so bizarre now. I've got 10 more weeks with you. I have an urgency about me. It's been an amazing run of the grace of God. But there's things I gotta share with you from my heart. Not new things, things I've shared all along. It just has a different urgency now. Aren't our times wrecked enough? Has this week not shown you the brokenness in our culture? where the, the author of death is rampant in the spirit realm, 
and we're before the author of life, holding out hope. So leprosy in those days was not just a physical condition. Uh, the word leprosy means a skin disease, um, and it, it was a it was a bunch of skin diseases. We don't know if it was truly uh, leprosy, but Luke tells us this: he was full of it. Not not the way we say you're full of it, but uh, leprosy had invaded his whole being. Luke five twelve. So it wasn't just a finger that turned white. It was not just a hand or an arm. It was his face that was decaying. It was his his whole torso, his legs. This man was was gross in every sense of the word socially. And in that day, the norms of that day were he had to go wherever he went and shout out, unclean, unclean. It might have been a health condition that caused that, but it was really the religious stigma that kept him from his greatest source of hope, meeting Jesus, coming to God. He couldn't go to temple, couldn't go to synagogue. He had to stay in the wilderness, isolated from people. This man may have had a family. At one point, he may have had kids. Everything of that is taken away. And with utter desperation, he runs through and breaks through and says, if you're willing, and we know he's Jewish because he didn't say, if you're willing, you can heal me. He said, if you're willing, you can make me, and he uses the Jewish word that's all throughout the Old Testament, you can make me clean. Because before this whole culture, I'm unclean. One of the things I love about being a church without walls centered on the cross is anyone can come. Anyone can show up. There are tons of people in our city who think they're unclean and think they don't qualify to show up here on a Sunday morning. Nothing could be further from the truth. The last time I checked in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, God so loved who, church? I can't hear you. The world. And in verse 17, it says, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world but to save them. How will people be rescued unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone goes? And how will we go unless we're sent? Romans says. So this man comes through the religious community, doesn't meet him in a church or a synagogue. He meets him out in, uh, in, uh, along the road. And it's like time stops. And the religious leaders are on the side holding their breath in anger. And all the people are holding their breath saying, what will this man do? What will this Jesus do? He's just taught about this amazing kingdom. And now suddenly the ultimate of unclean is before the ultimate of clean. What's going to happen? And I want to point out a couple things here, two things in particular. Let's look for Jesus' authority and Jesus' compassion here. Let's start with his compassion because our people need to know that Jesus loves them. Look at what it says in verse three. The first thing he does, verse three, Jesus reached out and touched the man. In the, again, the original language, the word touch, and, and I would just ask you, what do you think that touch looked like? In the original language, it means to grasp and hold on to. No one would touch this man because the religious people said, you touch an unclean 
person, you become unclean. And that's the gospel. Jesus identified with this man and absorbs his uncleanness. That's what he's done with us spiritually. Can I get an amen for those of us who know Christ? He grasped the man. He certainly didn't do this, hold his nose and just reach out and touch. Oh, that touch meant so much. And for so many of us, it, it turns upside down what we think ministry is. Most of us feel only uh, Jesus only attaches himself to us and others after we're clean. That's not the case. Jesus attaches himself to us so that we can be clean. Jesus loves us in our unclean state, just as we are. And he doesn't love who you think you should be in order for him to touch you. He loves you just as you are right now and wants to grasp you and take hold of your life and transform you from the inside out. One of our pastors who's not here anymore used to say, Christians are the only people who want to clean their fish before they catch them. May that not be said of us. Jesus touched this man before he spoke cleansing over him. Jesus wasn't, uh, in other words, the Holy One is grabbing hold of us in order to make us holy. And he didn't touch him because his body needed it. The miracle didn't happen through a touch, the physical miracle. He touched him because his psyche needed it. Jesus wants to meet all our needs. Yeah, I think of my own neighborhood and so I pray over it even this morning. There's way more than physical needs and even spiritual needs. Spiritual needs are at the core of every neighbor of mine that Jesus loves, and he loves them all. But there's relational needs. There's emotional needs. There's neighbors that need to be free of substance abuse. And Jesus came to bring healing in all of that. A great prayer that I pray is Jesus touch these homes in every way possible. That's what Jesus does. Then look at his authority. He says, I'm willing. And then he doesn't pray to God. He doesn't call out to a higher authority because he is God. Just two words, be clean. And, and don't read over that too quickly. Suddenly, the leprosy is healed. I mean, just, just picture his body from the tips of his fingers Remember, he was full of leprosy all the way up, healing, regenerating in real time, over time. Jesus has that kind of authority. Jesus has that kind of compassion. Friends, is that the picture we're drawing of Jesus with our life to our neighbors, in our homes? in the workplace, a God of great compassion who's willing. The, the request was not, could you heal me? Look at the request. The request is, are you willing to heal me? Are we painting a picture of a Savior who's willing to cross borders and cross boundaries to move off the hill, down the peninsula, 
into the south side, into the east side of our city, up west into the um, socioeconomic echelons of our community. Jesus is willing to go anywhere. You're willing to go with him. Say that again. Jesus is willing to go anywhere. You're willing to go with him. So in closing, two questions for us. Here's the first. Since Jesus is still willing, are we coming to Jesus as the leper did? Go back to verse two. So the leper came and knelt. See that? Knelt before him. That word knelt is the word that we use elsewhere in the New Testament, in the Greek New Testament, for worship. Proskuneo, to throw yourself before. I think we see in the leper uh, a daily um, practice that we need to embrace afresh and anew as followers of Christ. Your first appointment of the day is to kneel, proskuneo, to throw yourself before this incredible Savior. Before you hit social media, before you hit the news, before you hit the text messages, before you grab your phone, go to your knees. Say before God, it's a brand new day. Your mercies, your mercies are brand new. And I want to orient, orient myself to you today. You may have heard me say this before. If you're not in the practice, 1%. Give your first 1% to Jesus. 14 minutes. Start there. And orient yourself to the God of the universe. Then view everything else in light of that. I heard this weekend, when you focus on Christ, everything else comes into focus. When you focus on yourself, everything else is out of focus. Focus on Christ. Are we identifying with the leper? Or, and I don't mean this, uh, we'll take it for what it is. You know I love you, right? Or do you have it all together where you don't need to go before God in humility on the daily where you don't need to start your day with Jesus because you got it all figured out. Your life's worked out really well for you. I know no one here believes that. I want to invite you to set an appointment tomorrow morning, your first appointment, again, before social media, before the news, before texting, make it be with Jesus. Pros Caneo, throw yourself at him. I look at every decision in my life and I've got a lot of regrets but the irreducible one best decision I made since coming to Christ is to keep that first appointment every day with Jesus. It has sustained me. Secondly, since Jesus is still willing, are we living with brand new willingness? Jesus said, I am willing, be clean. Do we embrace that heart of Jesus crossing borders, crossing boundaries, Joining Tuesday with Generations United, grabbing food and going door to door, giving out food in Jesus' name. Will you have the willingness that Jesus had and join a Be the Bridge group come May? Crossing racial boundaries and just listening together as multiple races are around the word together and we're hearing each other. Something our culture isn't very good at and sadly, the church isn't either. Since Jesus is willing, 
Are you able to take that willingness and join him to go beyond your comfort zone? Two simple applications. Friends, we're drawing a picture every day with our lives. Talk is cheap. Our city doesn't need to hear. At some point, they will need to hear of Jesus, but they need to see it first. Because many times our lives get in the way of our words. I know you can do it in Christ's name. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you didn't just talk, that you didn't just write in the clouds. I love you. (laughs) That you came to earth, God himself, and you took on human flesh and you showed us how to live. And then you went to the cross to take on the punishment we deserve so that we could live uh, with hope, with power from your spirit. Lord, I pray each of us as the church would draw such a vivid picture of who you are with our lives. Holy Spirit, invade our lives right now so that we don't live naturally, but we outlive our work group and we outlive our neighborhood and we outlive uh, our city in such a vivid way that our neighbors say, behold, wow, what is going on? And you're made much of. We love you and need you. We thank you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand please for closing prayer? And would you face the cross in each other? Please. This is the metaphor, friends, of what we want to be as a community. A community focused on the cross. That cross defines you more than anything else in your life if you're a follower of Christ. And with no walls around us, anyone is welcome to join us as we journey to the cross. I want to ask one simple question as we close. Why did God bring you here today? What is your takeaway today? As we go back into a world of wreckage this week, where the wreckage may be amplified, may you walk differently because you have the hope of the coming kingdom and the hope of the resurrection living in you. And no matter what's facing you, may you walk with the desperation of a leper coming to Jesus because he's the only one who can make you clean. And he is willing. And so through our masks, very loudly so we can all hear, let us say the benediction that defines us, the closing blessing of our church to each other. Are you ready? May you jump into the arms of Jesus. I want to hear you. And may he push you out into the world. And may you be healed as you participate in the healing of others. Not because you must, but because you may, this is why we were born. Woo! <laughs> God bless you, church. Give a virtual high five and a hug to each other. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. 
We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.